again to the wrong side of the maelstrom welcome back man your 40k podcast that went on unannounced hiatus yeah <laughs> i guess we got a little bit of explaining to do yeah so uh i don't know real life kind of got in the way for a few months yeah i kind of um when was it, it was back in maybe uh july the, the last episode dropped right after eighth did yeah so. and uh at that point i was getting kind of i had no time yeah. no time like I was finding that my only free time I had was to record the podcast, but I had no free time to play the game that I was recording a podcast about. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I was almost like a fraud when it came to like, not, not a fraud, but like, cause obviously I still love Warhammer. I'm still keeping up to date on everything that's going on, but like, I'm not, it's like, Oh, well what hobby progress have I had? Oh, like next to nothing. So I think we really kind of, we both needed a break to kind of get back to playing the game. Speak for yourself. I've been playing well, you've like been playing non-stop. like crazy, but I needed time to get back to playing the game that I that I love so much to refuel, recharge, and yeah. uh, uh, honestly, I thought it was going to be a longer hiatus. And then one night, you were helping me move, right? And we were talking, about and we were it. talking. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm totally down to like get back into this. Yeah, because I've been playing a lot more. I mean, that's that's the thing, too. Like, you were going through a move, a lot of, like, stuff going on in yeah. both our lives, but especially yours. But I think now that you actually live further away, <laughs> you have to plan it more. Yeah, we actually so, sit down. And But um, with that being yeah. said, we are changing the wrong side of the maelstrom. Yeah, so before, when it was more of a general podcast, we decided to go with a much more narrative bent. Yeah, I mean, towards the end there, uh, before we took a little hiatus, we were playing a lot of uh, competitive 40K. And I think I was dragging you into playing a lot of, not dragging you in, but I was mm-hmm. convincing you, hey, like, this is kind of what our current meta is doing. This is how we should play 40K. And it's fun. I do yeah. enjoy competitive 40K. However, you've always been very heavy in, like, the narrative side. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when we play, I always kind of, like, didn't ignore it. But, like, never really took the chance to get into right. playing narratively. And one day, I think I was at work, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try and make, like, a nice, fluffy narrative list. Yeah. I just want to play a narrative mission and not care if I win or lose. I just want to make a list that seems like it'll be fun. Maybe try some units that I would never even think about using. Mm-hmm. And let's go at that. And we played that mission, and I was like, this is amazing. This is the 40K that I want to play. Yeah. And, I mean... Not that we really focused on competitive 40K at much, but I'm certainly not the person to talk about it. I'm not an authority on competitive 40K. Mm-hmm. I'm an authority on losing competitively. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but uh, narrative is definitely has been my focus throughout the last few years as I've got once I got back into the hobby at the beginning of sixth mm-hmm. and you know running campaigns in Windsor and organizing apocalypse events or silly events as tomorrow will be yeah we're recording on the eve of an event which i think we'll talk about in a little bit yeah um yeah and 
I I do enjoy uh, competitive 40k. Like I still like I enjoy watching like competitive battle reports, keeping up with yeah. like, what the current medalists are and stuff. Mm-hmm. But going forward, wrong side of the maelstrom. We're changing our format. We're going very heavy on the narrative. Yeah, we want this to be like the podcast you listen to 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 learn about narrative. Yeah, like I, narrative ways to play and ways to enhance your narrative gameplay when it comes to playing 40k. Yeah, and I personally, this edition so far, have been very focused on narrative play as opposed to match play. Yeah, and I think we'll get into that later when we talk. We're going to do a little state of the game because it's been a while since we talked about 40k. Yeah, um, we did a little bit when eighth first came out. Mm-hmm. And now we've had a lot more time to play with play yeah. it, and I think now we can really give our like good impressions on how we feel about this edition and hint like narrative is the way to play this game i find yeah Um, we'll talk about that later though but i think in the new formats like some of the things we're going to start covering we want to um every episode cover a narrative mission Mm -hmm. in the we'll start with the ones in the big rule book right and then we'll branch out into maybe some ones that if they haven't been released yet who knows when they're going to come out with i mean maybe they're going to release some uh some new missions in the um chapter approved in the chapter approved book which would be yeah. awesome if not we're going to go back and look at some of the releases previously like the planetary onslaught book yeah um, i've got the um altar of war book yeah we have a ton there's tons of campaign books out there yeah uh, some of them might not be a long any longer available but we can update those missions to yeah exactly edition. we'll update them and maybe we'll even uh come up with something that we'll put on the facebook page yeah kind of whenever we've talked about a new mission if it hasn't actually come out yet put yeah. it out there and, and a, people can try it out yeah and there's other stuff like we were working on a data sheet for your uh Tau Fire Warrior body. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about a campaign that we're going to be playing. And yep. I've, like, the Tau Codex obviously hasn't come out yet. Um, they haven't even, like, hinted at it. It's probably going to be in the new year, I think. It's not going to be one of the ones They're, this year, I don't think. If they, if GW keeps to releasing 10 books before de- December, then there's two more on the way. Including Tyranid? No, not including Tyranid. Oh, okay. Well, we'll see. Um, but, I mean, you're seeing, like, when we talk about the new codexes, which we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. uh, you're seeing like new units come in. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to be hopefully bringing out kind of like fluffy stuff, I guess you could yeah. say, that, that's not included in the game, but we're throwing in, like I'm using units that don't actually exist, but we think are fair, and we're making data yeah. sheets for them. And, and, and I think using power level, it's it doesn't need to I be precise. I love playing with power level. Yeah, I, I, I saw something on... Um, on Facebook, I think it was on the independent characters. They have a Facebook group now instead of their forums. And someone was playing match player power level. And match play building an army and like tweaking the points and like dropping a melt bomb here and adding a power sword there. That yeah. I enjoyed that, but power level just in terms of what's bring the table and like the the mindset you go into a game with, I really prefer. Yeah, when you're it's like power level doesn't work with power gaming. Because mm-hmm. you can just power game the shit out of it. Yeah. And it just becomes really unfair if you're just like, oh, I'm going to take every upgrade I can take for yeah. free, right? Um, but when you're making a fluffy list and you don't really care about how, I mean, you want your army to be good. You want it to play well on the table, hopefully. Yeah. But you don't, you're not like stressing about, well, okay, I can't take this. I can't take that. You can kind of just take the army that you want to put on the table. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, we're going to talk about that a little later. In state of the game. So tonight on Wrong Side of the Maelstrom, under a new format, we've decided to do away with a dedicated hobby progress section. 
Uh, we're still going to talk about what we're doing, but it's kind of going to be more sprinkled in amongst it. Yeah, I think this is one that I presented to you that, like, it, it has its place, mm-hmm. but I feel like everybody does it. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it, we're trying to be, we're trying to differentiate ourselves, and I think it's something we can work in naturally into the conversation. Yeah, I think if there's something that one of us is working on that we really yeah. enjoy doing, or like you buy a kit that you think is amazing, mm-hmm. or a kit that you think is complete garbage... Yeah. Which I'm going to interject right here. I started buying some Death Watch stuff because I was building like an Inquisition <laughs> army. I know where you're going with this. And uh, yeah, because I ranted on it big time yeah. the other day. But the Death Watch bike kit, like, I think it's the biggest piece of shit kit I've bought. Like, okay, it's just a Space Marine bike kit. Yeah. But you don't give me the loadouts that I'm allowed to take with. A Death Watch, like Death Watch bikers can take a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't expect you to give me the ability to give everybody power swords, which you can do mm-hmm. with a Death Watch bike squad. Yeah. But give me more than one. Yeah. Well, it's it's an old kit. That's yeah. kind of what it comes down to. And in terms of value, I mean, it's hard to find that kit now. I don't think it's in production anymore. Oh, okay. It's actually a better value than the Space Marine biker kit. So that that's the plus, but it's an old kit, and yeah. a lot of old kits don't have a lot of good wet loadout options, mm-hmm. weapon options. So that's yeah, unfortunate. So I interrupted you there. Continue. Oh, I was just going to say, and the other thing I was going to add is, uh, if you think that's a shit kit, you've never bought a clan rat unit. <laughs> is it still the old school kit? Yes. Really? <laughs> yeah, that was the biggest disappointment I think I've got from GW in a while. But anyways, that's old news. Yeah. So uh, our first segment to replace uh, Hobby Progress is we're bringing back news from the front, which longtime listeners will remember was our campaign report segment that we only did once or twice because we weren't running campaigns at the time. Mm -hmm. So now I think with much heavier focus and easier availability of narrative play, that'll be something. And also with the podcast focus, that's going to be something we're bringing to the forefront and right now, I'm playing in a campaign with uh, Samurai Mike, and he's and it's just like an ongoing thing between us. Me and you are going to start a campaign. Which I'm really pumped for. Yeah. I so. haven't played Tau, um, which we'll talk about the campaign afterwards, but yeah. I haven't played Tau since 8th started. Yeah. And but just, I'm like really excited to play now. Yeah. And we can also just roll in like latest games that we've played in that segment as yeah. well. Uh, we're going to keep doing rules lowering, although it's a lot difficult, a lot more difficult now because GW updates facts really quickly and the rules are much tighter, but, uh, you know, it's a big game. We can always find little tidbits to look at. And as always, if anybody has any rules lowering questions that they have that GW Mm -hmm. hasn't come up with, feel free to let us know. Yeah. We're going to have our main topics that might be focusing on a mission, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, we're going to do the state of the game address once in a while, which we're doing tonight. And Beyond the Rim is going to stay because that personally that's a staple. That's, that's one of my favorites. Just yeah. cause it's a nice breakout. And I, and if we're talking about differentiating from other, other uh, po- Warhammer podcasts, I don't think anyone else really does that. Yeah. In the same way, like they might go off topic, but we that now that's like our own thing at the very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, well, we might expand the closing a little bit to kind of like. Instead of just rounding out the show, talk a little bit more about what we want to see coming forward in the mm-hmm, next month. Because there's planning. been a lot of like rapid releases, and I don't know. I hope that it it's kept everything really interesting yeah. over the last few months. Oh and yeah, I hope that they continue it. Like the community page is just phenomenal. Just like 
every day at work I'm like sneaking away for like 15 yeah. minutes like look at what the community page has been posting and updates yeah. on oh my god I need to, I need to make a tyranny army oh I need to make an elder army <laughs> Just like, yeah it, it's funny because I used to check bowls multiple times a day Bell of Lost Souls yeah and now I look at it maybe once every two weeks I check the community page every day. I still check them every few days just because I do like looking up like their other stuff aside from Warhammer. Yeah. And they do have some good like fluff articles and like other interesting mm-hmm. articles. And they do make – they keep you updated on like the current metas and stuff. Yeah. So I do like reading them for that reason. But I understand why because like for news reasons, GW is keeping their own news. Yeah. And some and I love it when uh, leaks come out now because then GW just releases an awesome yeah, like, video. Oh, <laughs> you caught us. <laughs> it's like, oh, here's a three – 360 rotation video of Mortarian. Yeah. That was one of my favorite moments. <laughs> right on, man. So you want to get right into news from the front? Yeah. So uh, how about we take a real quick break and we'll be right back. Sounds good. All right, we're back. This is our news from the front segment where we talk about recent games and uh, any campaign updates that we are doing right now or that we've been playing in. And we're going to start by talking about how we beat Noah. Yeah. So Suck Jason, it, Noah. <laughs> Jason, go ahead. So uh, this was a few months ago. Uh, we Ian hosted a um, little tournament. It's like a going away because Noah was going. That's to right. School. I was moving away and no one was leaving. Right. Yeah, you were moving. And this is um, a few months into eighth, end of August, and yeah, when guard. I mean, guard are still just wrecking house. But I mean, yeah. with the codex coming out and the FAQ, like. The conscript thing has gone down a bit, but this is like heavy heyday of like conscript blob blocking all your tanks with all these characters buffing everyone, right? And uh, I had been, I had mass whooped by that army once before. Yeah. And knowing that I was going to have to play him next, because I think it was the second game that we played. Yeah. I was just like, oh, this is just not going to go my way. So, So for clarification, Noah's main army is a Grot army, like Gretchen. But in his seventh edition army didn't translate well to eighth, so he essentially was using his counts as guard, like mm-hmm. Imperial Grotz. And it counts as really well. No, it works very well. Like and it, and like if you want to talk about like a fluffy army, yeah, that army is so fluffy. Like he has a Vindicare Assassin, which is a Grot on like a raised um, like platform, platform or, like a yeah. Like a like sniper's a, nest. Exactly, and it's just so great, man. It has like a little. He has like this long ass like orc gun like hanging off the edge of it it looks yeah, so it's great. made from a both in the actual model and in the fluff for that model it's a titan or it's a stompa piston <laughs> is that what it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on or maybe a gorknot like it's a big piston yeah, from yeah no, the whole army is just like conversion heaven yeah um but yeah i was able to uh finally break that shell of the conscript blob and I mean, Grey Knights don't have that many models as it is. I, I rolled really well as well. Yeah. And he made a small tactical error of leaving a gap. Like, he moved his army forward a little bit. Yeah. He just left that gap that I could put my Dread Knight in the back, mm. the Grandmaster. Yeah. And I was able to, like, push forward, break the line, and then get in and take out a few characters. Mm. And that was also, I think, the first tournament that I... Okay, like a quote-unquote tournament. The first set of games... That I was bringing uh, two squads of purifiers with Castle and Crow, yeah, yeah. which is throwing out three d six mortal wounds a turn, basically, because you're just rocking that smite. Yeah, uh, I mean, you have the chance to deny it, but it's a little bit harder against Grey Knights. Yes, especially with um, there's not that many psych. I guess Grot. I mean, Guardsmen do have a good 
access to psychers, but yeah, you're seeing a lot of primary psychers now and stuff. I think, anyways, and astropaths. Fuck the meta and uh, those Galexus assassins. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, that was my highlighted game over the last few in the few weeks slash months. Yeah. So Noah um, came back from school to visit, and he didn't bring his grot. So <laughs> is he... this really the game you're gonna go with? Yeah, it's <laughs> the beat Noah hour. All right. <laughs> so he. Like, uh, found some space wolves in, like, a corner of, in, like, the back of his closet or something and came over to my place and we had a game at 50 power level, just 4 by 4 and I was playing my 50, point, 50 power level of uh, Black Legion. And, you know, he didn't bring a very good list, and I brought my list that I've been refining for a while. And, do you uh, remember what you brought? Him. Yeah, I do. I brought... Because uh, you told me about this game, but I didn't actually yeah. hear the list. That so, brought. okay, I brought Battalion... And it had a Chaos Lord, a Sorcerer, uh, two units, ten cultists, a 15-man Chaos Space Marine squad with bolters, two plasma guns, and a combi plaz. Okay, yeah, so you heavy plasma. That's going to yeah. do well on its own. Well, and he was it's... playing Space Wolves, you said? Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to mess So he up. had, like, a Great Hunter squad, a Lord, Laz Cannon Missile Launcher, Long Fangs, a uh, Lieutenant on a Wolf, Wolfguard Battle Leader, that's what it's called. And maybe one or two other... Oh, he had a bunch of land speeders, that's mm-hmm. right, with, like, heavy flamers. So, yeah, uh, and then I brought the uh, Rubric Marines. And, yeah, that's a go-to. Yeah, and uh, Havocs with autocannons. Nice. How did those work out? Because I, I think oh, that was the first time you used them, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, Havocs with autocannons are awesome because... Marcus Lanesh? Yes. Of course. So there's uh, two stratagems I use, Veterans of the Long War, which gives them plus one to wound, mm-hmm. and then Endless Cacophony. Which, which means you're wounding on twos. Yeah, in most cases. Yeah. Uh, endless Cacophony, which that allows them to shoot again. Yeah, and yeah. if you use them in the same phase, they're getting plus one to wound for both mm-hmm. rounds of shooting. And there's other stuff you can give them, like uh, Prescience is a psych power plus one to hit. Yeah. But it's a seven to roll, or seven to cast, which is a little... Not it's super. Average. It's average, yeah. but yeah, I prefer to use some of the other powers that are easier. But yeah. so that wrecked house. I actually used it against Jordan, and he was bringing a Death Guard and he had a Plague Crawler out. Mm-hmm. And I took about half of his wounds off using that combination on it. Sweet. So yeah, it's good. Anyways, yeah, it sounds like a good unit. Yeah. Anyways, it was just. Um, I don't even remember the objective. I think it was no. It was uh, there were two objectives, and you scored at the end of each of your turns. Mm-hmm. And he kind of flanked around with his battle leader and slaughtered my Havocs that were on the objective. And then I countercharged with the Rubric Marines and while pushing down the center with my Lord and the uh, Chaos Space Marine unit. So mm-hmm. eventually just Plasma wiped house and the Lord with the Murder Sword did work. So That Murder Sword. Oh, it's What so a great good. relic. Yeah. <laughs> it just straight up causes mortal wounds. Yeah, and I modeled my lord so he has a mate or a flail and a sword, so mm-hmm. I can use the black mace as well. Sweet. But unfortunately, it's not as good as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Like, it causes mortal wounds on, like, a six. It's kind of meh compared to uh, compared to the murder sword, at least. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a fun game. He, I kind of set up after he did, and he's like, oh, so you brought a good list. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm glad to see the Black yeah. Legion got a win. Yeah, it's, it's good, because then I... Same day I played Jordan, I also played Eric, who mm-hmm. brought Death Watch, and he just, like, kicked my teeth in. So did Jordan, but yeah. That's so par that, for the course. That Death Guard, yeah, I've, I've beat Jordan once or twice, and that was, like, so 
felt so good. But he <laughs> he brings pretty tough lists, so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I my Black Legion, I don't think I'm bringing it 2,000 points, which is what me and Eric played, because it's just not optimized enough. It's kind of like bringing, just filling it out with like demons to summon and stuff that's not that great. Yeah. Or it's well, not... that's, the, that's the fun part about playing narrative play, because yeah. you don't need the points to summon demons, which is a huge bonus to your That's true, armor, yeah. Which we'll talk about when we get into, when we played our ambush games. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I forgot I was bringing in demons. However, you have, for the last few months, been playing in a campaign. Yeah, so um, me and Samurai Mike started a campaign right around when Gathering Storm came out. So this actually started before 8th. And when Rise of the Primarch happened and Gilliman came back, and I had this really visceral reaction, like, <laughs> it'll be cold day in hell before my chapter kneels to Gilliman. And so anyway, so Mike's like, yeah, well, fuck that. I'm going to send the sharks after you. So he's he's got a Kershardon army, and I have my Stormguard. And basically it's like he's, you know, he's putting putting the smack down on the Stormguard. Mm-hmm. And he's loyal to Gilliman, and I'm turning Renegade. So we've played a few games. And once um, Eighth dropped, Mike started adding a like heavy Primaris yeah. segment to he's his army. He's got a lot of Primaris. And that kind of fleshed out the the fluff of the campaign where my chapter's in a civil war with, like, the first company captain siding with Gilliman, bringing in Primaris Marines, and the chapter master refusing and saying that Gilliman's a traitor. He, you know, was starting up Imperium Secondus instead of defending Terra during the Horus Heresy, and mm-hmm. now he's just, you know, completing that vision and coming back to rule the Imperium. Anyways, we've been playing a lot of games back and forth. We did a sabotage mission that was a lot of fun, and I actually brought... Because I, I have the Primaris from the starter set, so I brought a squad of Primaris and a lieutenant, and I gave them to Mike. I'm like, here, these are part of your army. And uh, that sabotage mission is hard for the defender. Yeah, I was there for, like, the setup of it. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is this seems like it's going to be pretty tough. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up having to go after the first turn, mm-hmm. even before you were able to, like, bring anything on to yeah. the map. Um, yeah, it seems like you just really have to hold that line you and need stop to be... them from from even getting close to that. Yeah. I mean, which will, I mean, hopefully in a few weeks we'll, or a few months we'll be able to cover the sabotage mm-hmm. mission, but it seems like you really have to the defender stop has them to be, from even touching Yeah, it has to be very, the defender has to be very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one of the things I'm finding with the narrative missions is, and maybe it's just me, but like they're, it's not easy for me to read it and grasp the best strategy. I mm-hmm. kind of need to play it to learn the strategy. So, Anyway, so Mike roundly defeated me on the sabotage mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also played a 3,000-point tank blitz. So we each brought, like, heavy armor and bike units. And now, you call it a tank blitz. However, this happened on Thanksgiving weekend, did it? Not? Oh, yeah. So it was the Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving match. Yeah. So I brought my Shadow Sword out for the first time. And this was after the Guard Codex came out. So it has the update for 3D3, heavy 3D3, which is awesome. Mike brought a ton of bikes with Melta, and he had six Predators on the board, plus some devs with Laz Cannon. So, like, just... I was also here for the deployment. <laughs> uh, no, no, I wasn't here for the deployment, but you sent me a photo. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And because yeah, I asked for photos, because I was like, uh, I, I was so excited for this. Yeah. I wish that I had, like, just watching that made me want to, like, just have a yeah. guard army right away with lots of tanks. <laughs> it was funny, because it's two Space Marines. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. like, I'm working on a yeah, armored company. Guard, yeah, yeah. 
guard army, yeah. So, yeah, so that kind of just boiled out. And in the Blitz mission, the defender, which was Mike, scores kill points. And I recycle troops, which obviously can give him more kill points. Yeah. And I score points. I score one point for getting units in his deployment zone and two points if it's in, like, the latter half of his deployment zone. And oh, you played one of those. Yeah. Right on. And it's, like, kind of hammer and anvil deployments. Yeah, so you yeah. have to go pretty deep. And he was way up in points, but we went to turn seven, and I managed to table him. Right on. So, Sweet. yeah. <laughs> Barely made it, and the Shadow Sword died on, like, turn one or two and then came back later. Yeah, because you can bring it back, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you bring stuff back on a four up unless it's troops, then it's two plus. Right on. So yeah. It seemed like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was awesome. Now you guys are playing um you were explaining to, you were trying to explain it to me before, an mm-hmm. open narrative format. Yeah. So, so the, what what is that? This is a concept I first or I heard about on an old episode of the Independent Characters. Think it's their Maelstrom incursion, which is like sixty episode sixty something, mm-hmm. and they're past one fifty now. I yeah, believe. So, a long time ago. Yeah, a really good episode. They went to a game day where they had like a boarding action board, and then like a big uh, planetary table with like six battles going on or something at mm-hmm. once. It sounded amazing, and if you look up the photos of the boards, it's incredible. But the guy who organized it was explaining how this tied into, like, a larger campaign in his gaming group, how every mission that the guys played, even if it was just one-off games, would be added to a timeline and mm-hmm. would build this huge narrative. So Mike and I have kind of taken that ember, I guess, and what we do is we play a game, and then just between the two of us, talk about it. Like it's Yeah, not... you don't really have, like, a set game plan of how, no. the, how the campaign is going to run. You're just continuing to play these games, yeah. right? So we'll play a game, see how it go, rolls out, and then talk about what's next. Mm-hmm. So right now, we're kind of building towards this siege of a city. I'm going to bring out the Imperial Fortress I have with like the walls and mm-hmm. stuff. And the sabotage mission was essentially determine if he cut the power supply to the gates. So now when we play that mission, because he won, the gate will be open. Oh, right on. Sweet. And... The tank blitz was the tanks coming to reinforce the city. Mm-hmm. So because I won, all we get to bring on like a reinforcement wave of oh, vehicles. Right. Yeah, yeah, sweet. We have a few more. I think we're going to do like a smaller Zomortalis-style game and we had one or two others. It'd be too. cool to do maybe like a yeah, Zomortalis, like a sewers <laughs> fight or something like that. Yeah, so we're, we're going to do one or two more before we do the big siege and mm-hmm. that'll be a lot of points. So give them like an outflank type. Yeah, Something or, like, stuff coming cool. up from the sewers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. Um, or even, like, if he wins, he can set, like, uh, he maybe not to the degree of uh, the planetary bombardment rule, Yeah, but something of the like where he's able to set charges up underneath you instead mm-hmm. of coming down on top of you. That would be pretty cool well, if there's he also, was able to succeed in getting underneath the yeah. city. There's also the sewer rat stratum as well, which lets you... Lets you bring up reserves on streets and yeah. stuff like that, but depending like, on how much streets yeah. you're going to use for the city But fight. he could be like setting chargers under the walls and stuff. And yeah. Getting like, oh, 2d6 mortal wounds to each wall section or yeah, something. something like that. would be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that has like a lot of potential. That sounds really... Man, yeah. all of these games just sound so exciting. <laughs> I, someone... I was at GW the other like week or two ago... It was actually Samurai Mike who was complaining about this, how, like, there's no variety in the in the ga- missions. And he was talking about, like, competitive play, so Eternal yeah. War and Maelstrom yeah. of War. 
And it got me thinking, like, if you were just playing those 12 missions, you yeah. are missing out on... On so much that this game has to offer. Yeah, yeah 100%. And what I would argue is the better part of this game right now, or yeah. this edition. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you do hear a lot of competitive players. Um, I mean, that's so strange to say. Like, even in 7th, in every edition, you hear competitive mm-hmm. players complaining about the edition and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, oh, I'm waiting for the next edition. I'm waiting for the next change that makes this game good again right man <laughs> i play narrative and i love it yeah right um yeah with that being said i still love competitive but um yeah so you guys are playing an open narrative format yeah but you've presented to me now so i've had this idea for our campaign for a while it's actually i made a timeline you know when you have a codex and it has like a timeline of events yeah. of the history of that army so i made one for the storm guard and in it, in like 700 M41, is the Lightning War, which takes place after the Damocles Gulf Crusade. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially the Storm Guard unleash a company or two on that area and put to the sword all these human worlds that have turned to the greater good. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't say in that little, this is just like a one paragraph blurb, it doesn't say who wins or what happens, it just says like a bunch of worlds burn. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Lightning War because it's supposed to be like hidden run tactics on both sides. Mm-hmm. And it's for, you know, for, so Imperium versus Tau or Stormguard versus Tau. And I've wanted to do this for a long time. And now I wrote out a tree campaign, just three missions, and we're going to play through it. Yeah, and it really um, lets us play through a lot of the different type of missions that 8th yeah. Edition has to offer. Um, so we're starting off with the Planet Strike. And yeah. I've decided that, I mean... I've always been a, like, I have the ochre Tau. Mm-hmm. That's what I fell in love with, like, so long ago. Yeah. It's what I've always gone with. Um, so I'm going to be bringing a lot of the Tau characters. Yeah. From that set. So, like, I will be rocking, like, Shadow Sun mm-hmm. in certain missions. I will rock, like, Onva, Long yeah. Strike. Because these are all characters that I want to try. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring a lot of infantry. I want to yeah. try infantry Tau out in this edition, see how it does. Yeah, um, I oh. think that, I think that like man, Tau, they have a lot of firepower. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people say they play awkwardly. I think you just have to be really tactical with them now. Yeah, I, I think they've changed because they, I think in Seventh Ed there was a very straightforward easy button. Yeah, for Tau, like just bring two or three of these units and a couple of Riptides, and you're good to go. But now you need to build a very specific army. Uh, I mean, we We're very tactical. Aren't we? we almost always present like our list to each other, yeah, in advance to kind of say like, "Hey, this is what I'm bringing." Mm-hmm. Not to like come up with a strategy, but to be like almost like a gentleman's agreement, like this yeah. is all right. Kind of, hey, do you think this list is cool? Do you think this will be fun to play against? Right? Yeah. Um, and you showed me that you have a lot of terminators. Mm-hmm. Well, there's now a support system for Tau, which gives you an additional like you add minus one AP to your weapon, right? And broadsides, like missile sides, mm-hmm. are just so dirty now, man. Strength two, minus two. Strength two? Sorry, strength seven. Okay. Minus two AP, and yeah. I think it's D3 damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. And they each fire, I think, eight shots. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, Terminator's also been ball saves, though. Yeah. I mean, Which... you're going to be rocking a four-plus save base now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So, Goes from two to... 
Yeah, we'll see. I might. I just think they're great units. I might. I mean, they were the great list. units before, but I think they're still yeah. great units. I might tweak the list a little bit just because. Yeah, you told me there's a lot of it. You've a lot of high AP stuff. Yeah, yeah. but I think that's kind of the draw. No, I mean not the draw, but that that helps with the narrative. Having that understanding, you're not going to win. You're going to have a good game. Yeah, like, you're going to tell a story. Yeah, like Mike and I exchanged our army lists beforehand. Mm-hmm. I said, like, hey, I want to bring a shadow sword. It's a bigger game. It's a tank fight. But this thing, like, murders tanks. Is is that okay with you? And you're yeah. just like, yeah, do it up, man. So we we knew what each other was bringing, and it felt like it was balanced because I don't want to roll up to the Planet Strike game with you and, oh, you brought all Terminators? I have nothing that can deal with that. Yeah. And it's just one-sided. Where the goal is to have a close, fun game. Mm-hmm. So... You don't want to wipe the floor. With yeah, the, to win or lose and progress yeah. the storyline, right? Yeah. Um, which is why I'm kind of telling you, like, oh, you're taking a lot of Terminators. I wonder, like, maybe I'm yeah. going to be able to handle that. Yeah. Because my model count for that, that mission is, like, I think it's upwards of, like, 70. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. And I think you have, like... Half that, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, a big chunk of my list is the um, Storm Raven. Mm-hmm. That's probably like that's fifteen power level on its own, but I don't want to drop it because I feel like planet like an attacker in planet strike would have air. You would support. have, it. yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like you need to add some drop pods to your list. I was thinking about yeah. that. Yeah, okay. uh, we'll see. We'll talk about it. Yeah, next like time have some dreadnoughts later. drop potting in or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean if that's cool with you, because I would have to proxy the Forge World dreadnoughts. Yeah, of course. But yeah, we'll keep everyone updated on yeah. how that goes and. Maybe we'll be able to talk about some of these missions that we've been playing. Yeah. So just to round out that discussion. So we're doing, it's a, like we said, a very simple tree campaign. Level two is city fight if I win. And if you win, we'll be playing an ambush with Tao as the ambusher. Mm-hmm. I'm, ah, part of me just like, I want to play city fight so bad. Like I was reading the rules for city fight. Yeah. And I have like, I have one list that I've made. I've made three lists already. Okay. And I've kind of just cemented the idea that, nope, these are the three lists that I'm bringing. I'm just like, I'm now going to decide at what point I'm going to bring okay. one of these three lists. Mm-hmm. And I have an all infantry list is one of them. Oh yeah. And it's a brigade, right? And it's a brigade. Wow. Yeah. Which gives me, ends up giving me what? Nine, 12, 12, 12 CP. Total, yeah. Um, and the city fight has a lot of really good stratagems mm-hmm. for one CP. Yeah. Which uh, is handy because Tau don't have their own codex yet. They don't have their own stratagems. Mm-hmm. Um, Neither do Blood Angels. So well, there you yeah. go. Um, but like to have those like cheap CPs and to have yeah. 12 CP to work with, there's a lot of like, there's one which is like booby trap, I think. Yeah. Which just lets you like sabotage buildings. Mm-hmm. Bam. Right off the bat. Because it's narrative. So you can use stratagems multiple times once, in a yeah. turn bam booby trap booby trap booby trap you just yeah. booby trap like a bunch of buildings I right? did that Um, I played that city fight mission against uh, Jeff yeah and I did the booby traps on building but yeah. it only came up once he didn't even touch like two yeah I think it's, it ends up being like it doesn't work half the time anyway so I think it's a four but plus it, or something well it has to be buildings that aren't occupied at yeah. the beginning yeah. so if he just doesn't go in them it's mm-hmm. wasted CP yeah. and then you can't go in them because the booby traps are there and does it work like, against you too I think so oh, I think okay. it's just like first unit well we'll see Anyways, um, I was excited to play that. Yeah, so at the end, if uh, Tau win the city fight, we go to a sabotage. So I see the way is Planet Strike, Stormguard coming onto the planet, and then if they win, they've made a foothold and they are advancing towards the Tau-held city. Mm-hmm. And if the uh, Tau win, 
then the Stormguard are on the defensive, and the tower ambush them. So the tower win the city fight, then it's a sabotage. I kind of see that as like maybe a special landing zone or a beacon, like they're trying to evacuate from the planet, and mm-hmm. this tower come in and like screw up those plans. If the Stormguard win the ambush, then it's a firestorm mission or whatever. I should look up what it's called. It's Burning Skies, I think. Yeah. It's, um, anyways, there's like war zone. It's what it's called. It's a war zone. Battle zone. zone. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Fire and Fury is what it's called. And essentially, like, just everything is dangerous. There's chunks of debris coming down. Essentially, I think if you're a flyer, you suffer things as well. Yeah. Um, which is awesome because I, like, Tau have a lot of fly units. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's essentially, like, the Strong Guard are. They've taken them, they've bloodied their nose, and now they're just kind of like nuking the planet from orbit while they go for one final objective mm-hmm. or something. And then finally, in the middle is the stronghold assault. And if we go down that path, it's whoever won the previous game is the attacker. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the Stormguard are assaulting like a big Tau fortress, or the Stormguard are kind of doing like a last stand if they're on the defensive and the tower retaliating to mm-hmm. kick them off the planet. I really want to by the whole, like, tide wall. Oh, yeah. I want the whole thing. Like, I have the shield line. Yeah. But I want the whole wall, just because it works for, like, fortress reasons. Yeah. I mean, the the wounds on those models aren't... and They're not close to what, like, actual mm-hmm. uh, fortifications have. Yeah. But they still work. Yeah. It's still kind of cool. Still good. It works for something, right? Even if you change the rules for some of them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the things we're doing. Like, you're going to bring in the... Uh, I don't know what they're called in Tau, but it's the human helpers, like the guardsmen who've turned traitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've always wanted to try them. They don't have rules for 8th, but we've kind of, we're just using infantry squads. Yeah. Uh, with, I think they have a reduced price. You can take more of them than, I think you can take 12 of them instead of 10, which is what an infantry squad is. Yeah. But they have, they had all uh, Imperium models mm-hmm. had. Um, preferred enemy against them in right. seventh. Mm-hmm. So we've given uh, all Imperial models reroll ones to hit. Yeah, against them. Against them in eighth. Uh, we'll put the data sheet up there when we actually yeah. get to the get to that mission and play stuff, it. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to try them out. Yeah, no, I, I think that's cool. Like just adding little things like that. And mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll be fun. Sweet man. Uh, I guess let's take a short break and we'll do some rules lawyering. All right, sweet. All right, I'll call this session of rules lawyering to order. And tonight, I need a we gavel. need like a gavel, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> that tonight, is just the Law and Order theme song. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're gonna talk about drones and fortifications. Yeah. So. Um, Tau drones. Yeah, as we were talking about before, we're going to be playing a Planet Strike mission for our first campaign mission. And playing Tau, I was kind of wondering, like, because I was making squads, and instead of bringing, like, tactical drone squads Mm -hmm. as a fast attack choice, I was trying more, like, well, maybe I'll just bring two drones here and two drones there on this character, on that character, on that character, and that's how I'll bring my marker drones. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, but... Oh, you get to do a planetary bombardment before anything happens. Yeah. Okay, well, I get to bring bastions mm-hmm. to, to set my models up in if I want. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well, how do I put models in there if they have drones? 
Like, are they allowed to do the drones go in there with it? I thought they only held infantry. So I kind of like had to look into that and mm-hmm. start rules lowering a little bit for myself. How do you deploy drones with a, that come with a squad? Yeah. If they want to embark on quote unquote or a transport, a transport or a let's say. Yeah. So I'm going to start off by reading the uh, tactical drone data sheet. Okay. They have an ability called drone support. Um, I'm going to skip past it a little bit. It talks about how drones accompany tau units. Um, however, it says afterwards, when a unit is set up, any accompanying drone must be placed in unit coherency with it. From that point onwards, the accompanying drones are treated as a separate unit. Okay, so what we have to look at there is that must be placed in unit coherency. Mm-hmm. Okay. When deployed. When deployed. Yeah. So what's unit coherency? Two inches of another model in the squad. Okay. Now, when you look at what a, uh, let's say, a bastion is, mm-hmm. or any um, fortification for that matter, right. that part of the Imperium, let's say. Okay. Um, well, actually, even the Tau ones, which we looked at before well, as well. The ones in Imperium 2 are unaligned. Yeah. So, yeah. So... Um, a model can transport any number of infantry characters and one other infantry unit set up to a maximum of however said models. 20, 30, 40, whatever it is. Now, drones aren't infantry. No. Therefore, I don't think that you can set up drones. You can't set up a unit that has drones with them in a fortification to start the game. Because... If the unit is set up in the fortification and the drones are outside, they're not in unit coherency. Sure, once the game starts, they're a separate unit. But upon deployment, they have to be in unit coherency. Right. So could you start the unit outside of the fortification and then first turn put them in it? Yes. But you can't start the game in the fortification. Right. Now, the only uh, exception to this is the Devilfish, which says that it can hold drones. Yeah, it's it specifically only... says Tau Infantry and Drones. And also we were looking at the uh, Tidewall fortifications. They can't carry drones the, either. The, the Tau fortifications themselves, yeah, anything yeah. part of the Tidewall doesn't hold uh, drones either. I mean, the drone port has drones that start on it that come mm-hmm. with it, but it can't, uh, can't hold drones. Yeah. So we went to the FAQ to see if that shed any light on this. Mm-hmm. And nothing uh, specifically addresses drones and fortifications. But the first question in the FAQ is regarding uh, drones who've joined battle suit or commander units using Manta Strike, which is uh, that deep strike version. So mm-hmm. they're set up in the Manta and then they come down nine inches away at the end of the movement. Phase, yeah, blah, blah, your blah. typical deep strike or yeah. reserve. And it says, Do the, does this apply to the drones accompanying that unit? Answer, yes. When the unit enters the fray, it and all its drones are set up together as per the Manta Strike ability. Once set up, they then become separate units. Mm-hmm. So what we're talking about with drones and fortifications is a very specific situation. So it, it's understandable if it hasn't been brought into Yeah, it's very specific. FAQ. It's very specific, but it, like, that's a huge hit to like I have to rework my whole list. Yeah. If I'm if we're gonna play that way. And I, I think rules is intended they would 
I think rules is intended they would be able to start inside either inside the fortification or, or just incoherency yeah. of it guarding that door yeah so <laughs> I think when we play our plant strike we can do that mm-hmm. I'm personally fine with one or the other I don't yeah. really both are fine options but rules is written they those units have to start disembarked from the fortification mm-hmm. they can't start inside deployed oh. yeah agreed yeah all right Another rules lowering in the bag. Mature. Ladies and gents, welcome to the Wrong Side of the Maelstrom's newest segment, The Briefing. Tonight, we will be covering Ambush. I really want to kick it off with some, like, Terminator music. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Right on. So this is our new segment where every month we are going to cover a new narrative mission. Uh-huh. Uh, we're really going to try and break it down, get into the nitty gritty of because um, we've played this mission twice now. Uh, we each did an attack and a defend. Yeah. Um, we really tried to use some of the stratagems that we felt were good. There are mm-hmm. going to be some missions where the stratagems seem like a waste. Yeah. Um, and I used one that was a waste that we'll talk about afterwards. Um, I don't know if I used any of these, actually. <laughs> well, you need to start using them more, because that's the whole purpose, I, is I, for us to learn the mission so that you can learn about the mission before you play yeah. it. I mean, I, like a lot of what we'll go into is we're going to go into the stratagems particularly in mm-hmm. detail, but they didn't really apply. That They weren't that helpful to me. And so. I felt that they weren't really helpful that much in this mission either, Yeah. Um, which we'll talk about when we get to talking about stratagems. Um we did play this mission twice. Uh, we used different army lists. I don't, did you use different army lists? I know I did. I used a similar army list. We played the same yeah. armies. Yeah, I was playing Black Legion. You were playing Grey Knights. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have that big of a Black Legion list, so I, it was very similar. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, ambush. Okay, so Ambush is a callback to an old mission from it definitely was in third edition i think variations of it have been in other editions as well where essentially the defenders deploy is deployed in a column down the middle of the table about 12 inches wide up to the halfway point mm-hmm. and then the attacker uh deploys using hidden deployment so i think they actually deploy first they do yeah. markers uh, they deploy their army and then the defender sets up and then the attacker reveals and they get the first turn and the victory conditions in current 8th ed is the defender has to get units off the attacker's short deployment zone. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of set up like a hammer and anvil, like long ways, so the defender's marching on from one long, uh, one short board edge, and they have to get off the other one. Yeah, and they have to get uh, a third of their model, third of their power level yeah, third off of the, of the table. And it recommends not bringing the defender not having a lot of flying units because then they can just fly over the attack. Yeah, I don't know if we had decided what mission we were going to play when we made our list, but I brought a flyer in the first mission, but I decided we kind of made a gentleman's agreement. I'm not just going to take that flyer and And just fly right off the table. Yeah, because with its contents, that flyer was one power level short of the third. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so that's that's the overview. Is there anything you want to add to that? Um, no, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, 
I mean, it it does talk about how, and with most of these missions, uh, a lot of these narrative missions, you can bring whatever power level you want. Mm-hmm. And then whoever has more points is the attacker. We normally yeah. come up ahead of time who's going to be the attacker, who's going to be the defender. Yeah. And kind of come up with, a, okay, do you think 100 to 125 is fair? Like, what does this mm-hmm. mission entail? And what do you think is an appropriate amount of points to have over the other person? Yeah. The, the first time we played, we kind of just threw... We went even. We didn't know what mission we were playing the first time, yeah, I think. Okay. We just said each, each of us bring 100 power level. Mm-hmm. And you had, like, 99 or something. So yeah. I ended up being the attacker. Mm-hmm. So... Anyways, um, let's get into talking about the deployment. You briefly ran over how, like, what type of deployment it is. Yeah, so the attacker deploys on his short table edge, and he can also deploy in a standard 6 by 4 table. He can deploy 6 inches along either of the long edges. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, when you attacked, you did have some units on either flank. Yeah. When I attacked, I had such... Uh, lower model count mm-hmm. being Grey Knights that I felt like it's really hard to put models, enough models up there on the flanks that you're also going to hold a line to stop yeah. the defense, to stop the, well, I guess the defender in this case from pushing through yeah. your line, right? Um, so yeah, and like six inches itself isn't a lot of space, especially if you have a piece of terrain or something mm-hmm. close by kind of blocking you yeah. to fit it in there. So it's a very awkward uh, deployment for both, mm-hmm. not awkward in a bad way. Awkward in a strategic way. Yeah, but it's hard. You can't deploy big vehicles and monsters that easily. Yeah, large blobs of troops are going to be like stretched along the board edge. So mm-hmm. when we played, I deployed a few units along there, almost just to make you do a double take. Like, and it definitely did because it, it's hidden deployment. So it's like. Right down towards your end on the corner, there's a hidden deployment marker. So that could be cultists or that could be a demon prince. Yeah, and it definitely did make me kind of question like, okay, what uh, what do I worry about here? Do I worry about this unit that's behind me or do I worry about pushing forward? Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're playing a fast army, I guess it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. If you're playing an army like, well, okay, I don't want to say fa- Grey Knights is a fast army because they can, especially in narrative play, if you have enough gave of infinities, they can all yeah. jump around, which we'll talk about Afterwards, mm-hmm. I, I did end up using, um, which helped me win the first game. Yeah. But you need to really worry about just pushing forward. You need to push forward. You can't get yeah. caught up on who's behind you, who's here, who's there. You need to push forward, and you need to get off the table. And I think what ends up happening is because there, it's such a small deployment along the long table edges, you can't put enough units there to support one another. Mm-hmm. So they're almost like just suicide speed bumps. Yeah. Which, f- when the unit I put in the corner as a distraction, and the, they were cultists, and that, yeah. that's fine. I just almost ignored... I think I took them out turn one. Yeah, you used a stratagem to shoot back at them. So That's right, yeah, yeah. But on the other longboard edge, I put Plague Marines and Demon Prints, mm-hmm. which, you know... They did, they slowed me down. But only a little bit, and yeah. they got wiped down. Those are some of my better... It's one of my toughest units and one of my hardest hitting units, mm-hmm. and it just got mopped off. And I, I realized as soon as the game started that I'd made a huge mistake there. So I think you need to be careful what you deploy along those edges because 
they're out in the open. Yeah, I feel like if the unit isn't super durable, and with mm-hmm. that being said, a Demon Prince and Plague Marines are pretty durable. Yeah. Which, it like, it did take me, I think it took me two turns to take them out. But at the same time, those two, you, you need to commit to, yeah, like, going on a flank. You can't just mm-hmm. put one unit on a flank unless it's, like, a unit that's going to definitely take something out. If you deploy units on the flank, they're 12 inches from the defender's deployment zone. So mm-hmm. they, that's a fairly straightforward first turn charge. Mm-hmm. But you – then you're leaving – then you're weakening your center that they can easily push through. So yeah. it's, a, it's an interesting trade-off. And I think when you're um, attacking in this – it's so strange how attacking and defending in this mission works because attacking, you're actually holding a line. Yeah, it's kind of a weird um, nomenclature. But that is so essential in this mission is like holding a line that your opponent can't just push past. Yeah. Um, at the same time, like you can get um, – as the defender, you're not allowed to – actually, as either side, you're not allowed to put anything in reserve. Yeah. Um, with that said, there's a lot of things that allow you to leap over models or to change your positioning, uh, like Gate of Infinity for Grey Knights. So you can get really um, sidetracked by, oh, I'll put things on the flank. I'll put things here. Oh, I need to make, I need to stop him from coming as close to this line as possible. Mm-hmm. And you leave, even though there's no reserves, no deep striking, you leave your back end open for flying units to get over top of them for. Uh, redeploying redeployment units moving behind them yeah. and getting to that table edge. Yeah. And we, we, at one point you said like, Ian, if you move that unit forward, I'm just going to be able to deep strike right behind you. And I, and yeah, I told you that. that I wasn't going to take my flyer and fly it straight off the table. Yeah. But I did tell you, if you leave that back unit open, I am going to gate of infinity yeah. behind you. And that in the end, that's what ended up doing. You put enough units on the board, on the escape route. Yeah, you were you were heavy on one side, yeah, and a bit weaker on the other side. So I just pushed up that one side, and then I yeah. wasn't going to get there fast enough, so I gated infinity mm-hmm. to the edge. Now the thing you have to remember when you're defending on this mission, so when you're trying to get off the board edge, is your model has like the whole unit has to start. It has to be able to move the whole unit off the table edge mm-hmm. in your turn. So you almost not always, but. You're going to, like, the whole unit probably won't be able to push off the table in one turn unless you're starting within, like, five inches. And, like, you know, a five-man Terminator unit, that's pretty easy to do. Yeah. A 40-man Cultus unit, maybe not as much. So you're going to probably be spending time. And the whole, like, partial models don't leave the table. No, but a partial unit that's been whittled down by fire. Mm -hmm. So if you only have one Terminator left and he moves off, you get the full score for Mm -hmm. that whole unit. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's something to keep in mind. But uh, what did you take away from uh, from the from defending? Because then you played defense in our second game. Um, I think it just even in talking about now, I think you need to focus your deployment very hard. Either load up the flanks and rush the attacker, or sorry, the defender, mm-hmm. rush the ambushee, yeah, or just hold that solid line like it's a short it's the hammer and anvil style so it's it's a four foot line you can hold and Mm -hmm. that's not too difficult especially if you have a faster army you can go and reinforce wherever the defender's going so i think in that way 
it's you need to be very focused. Mm-hmm. Like as the defender, you have very limited space to deploy your army, so it's kind of straightforward where you're going to start. But as the attacker, you have to make some tough choices very early on, mm-hmm. like at the very start of the game before the defenders put anything down. So when we were playing and you were defending, so you were trying to get off the board. Yeah. Um, you even said afterwards you made a bit of a deployment error in the fact you put all your cultists, I think, in the back. Yeah, so when I was the ambushy and loading up my column, I had a unit of 40 cultists, and they were at the back of my column, which was mm-hmm. really dumb. Because cultists, they don't do anything except their chaff, their mm-hmm. meat shields. And since that game, I've learned they're going up front. They're taking that first charge. They're, like, speed bumping unit. They're locking, bogging unit down combat. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do a lot of damage. They're just there to die. Yeah, and come back. With yeah, the tide I, of traders or whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah, for, I think, two CP, bring back the squad at full strength. Mm-hmm. But if the squad gets wiped, you can't bring them back. No, no, no. So. But 40 guys is... You can probably predict when is the right time to bring them back. Yeah, you'd be... <laughs> you'd be surprised. <laughs> Eric wiped them on turn two, I think. Um, so, anyways. You did have a rhino... With uh, Cult, uh, chosen and a lieutenant, yeah, and you had the right idea. You're like, I need to push forward now, yeah, and you advance that rhino. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that was the only thing that kind of advanced, and it, it I just focus fired. Else, I was yeah. like, uh, you know what? I'm going to let his whole army march towards me, and it's going to end up being a, a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. But I need to take this rhino, and he's chosen out now because sure, we're going to get into a bloodbath. But then I'm going to hold you as the defender or as the attacker, yeah. as the ambusher. You have to oh, just any opportunity the enemy has to get anything off the board, mm-hmm. take that out. Yeah, and just if something gets locked in combat, I mean, unless you, that thing is going to wipe you out in one turn, mm-hmm. that's okay. Just hold them off, hold them off, hold them off. Especially if you have a forward line, yeah, because then they have to foot slog it off the table afterwards. So if it's turn four. Mm, and you and you had your guys at the front of your deployment, they're probably not getting off the table in time. Yeah. I mean, unless the game goes seven turns or whatever. It goes random. Random, so game up to left. seven, right? Yeah, okay. five to seven. Yeah. The other thing, too, is I I pushed forward pretty fast in the beginning. Like, I advanced everything yeah. and used the Black Legion traits. They're all shooting as assault weapons. But then I kind of got bogged down. You got locked and in I, combat. Or was yeah. It or I decided to, like, oh, okay, I'm just going to walk forward and rapid fire where bolters are pretty damn good. This edition, like everything feels yeah. like is pretty good, but losing that mobility was a mistake. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I need to do going forward is bring a second sorcerer to do cast warp time multiple times. Cause that can lead. Yeah. Warp time forward. is dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Especially cause I can advance twice. So the ability to cast multiples of the same psychic power. Yeah. is. Quite it big. changes the game completely. Yeah. And I mean, it. I understand why it's banned in match play. Yeah. Because it is quite powerful. But Multiple I, Vortex I, of Dooms. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do like it. I enjoy it because it, mm-hmm. I don't know. Feel, I mean, smites are really powerful. And they're being cast anyways. all the time. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's broken good, but I, I do understand why it's not in match play. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, let's start getting into the different stratagems. Sure. In this mission. All right, uh, do you want to divide it up, attacker, defender, or should we just go choose one? No, let's start with attacker. So the first okay. one is Night Raider. 
So um, in this mission, the first turn is um, a night attack, I guess, or I don't know what they call it in this, dawn raid, um, yeah. which basically is minus one to hit for any shooting attack. Mm-hmm. Um, for one CP plus one, one or, additional. One or more. Yeah, so it's yeah. one CP per turn. You can extend it. So if you wanted to, you could spend, you know, five CP and, and make it till turn six. Yeah. Right? Um, I guess it's good if you're like a close combat army and you don't want to be shot at. Yeah. Um, especially since you're the attacker. So you're the one kind of, like, you want the enemy to come to you. They're coming, yeah. They're or, I mean, if you. you're playing super aggressive, you want to come to them, that's fine. Uh, I didn't use it because I wanted to shoot at you. Storm bolters are the shit. Yeah. And um, I didn't use it because you're better in close combat than me. Yeah. So I wanted to shoot you. Um, next, next one. Spectrum Enhancement War Gear. Select one of your units immediately before it shoots. It ignores the Dawn Raid rules. Basically night vision. Yeah, for one CP, one unit ignores it. Uh, I personally, there's one in the Cloak and Dagger Maelstrom War missions. Mm-hmm. It's similar to that, except it works the other way. You spend one CP... In an enemy unit, whenever you fire at it, you don't have the night fighting. Oh, okay. Which was really handy when I, I was playing Jordan. Oh, it's like lighting them up, kind of. Yeah, it's a flare, I think mm-hmm. is what it's called. Yeah. So you shoot a flare at a unit, that unit is perfectly visible with no penalties. Right on. I like that better than this, because it's, it's more efficient. Yeah, I mean, I guess this one has its place, especially if you have a, a unit that hits hard in the shooting phase. That's true, And yeah. you want to take something out right away. Or, I'm sure if someone used... Uh, well, no, I guess you'd be using... If you were using Night Raider heavily... Yeah. And, like, if your opponent was a heavy shooting army, and you used you had a lot of CP to spend, mm-hmm. and you spent the CP to use Night Raider, you could then use the CP, if you had enough left over, yeah. to use this one and make it so that he's having a hard time shooting you, but you can still shoot him. Yeah. Especially if you've, like, had an assault army with, like, one Havoc Squad or a Predator mm-hmm. or something. I, I don't know how you would do this with so many getting enough CP, but, like, if I had an assault army and then I had my, like, Slaneshi Havocs, mm-hmm. okay, well, I make it night for the first three turns, and then I give them Endless Cacophony, Veterans of the Long War, and Night You're just going all out on that CP. Yeah, but that's, that's a dirty unit. <laughs> yeah. It's it, doing really well, and it's hard to shoot back because you don't have the uh, night vision. Right? Yeah. So you're suffering the penalties. Mm-hmm. So the last one for the attackers mm-hmm. is preliminary bombardment, um, which is just a um, like a standard rule for narrative play. For yeah. narrative play, um, it's in quite a few missions. Yeah. So this one's three CP, which is a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't. You didn't use this one in the first game, so I decided that I was going to use it in the second game. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, let's just talk about what preliminary bombardment is first if someone doesn't know. Sure. So, um, at the start of the, before the first battle round, you roll die for each unit on the battlefield. Uh, if it's inside a transport, you don't, you just roll for the transport. On a six, that unit suffers D6 mortal wounds. Infantry units can go to ground essentially, and they only suffer D3, but then they can't do anything in their first turn. So, so it sounds... D6 wound, mortal wounds, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. But you have to roll the six first. Um, so I, I used it mm-hmm. uh, because we wanted to try out these strategies. Yeah. You hadn't used it. You had a fair amount of units on the table. Um, yeah. And I didn't use it against you because Grey Knights 
small number of units. I yeah. think you only had six. So I'm Something like three that, yeah. Statistically, I'm doing one. three mortal wounds. Yeah. So one unit, three mortal wounds. Yeah. Um, so I used it, and it didn't work out so well. I think I hit one or two units. You took out I took f- out like two cultists or something like yeah. that, I think. Um, now, I've used that in a meat grinder mission against Jeff, mm-hmm. and I killed a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's all luck of the draw, right? It's just yeah. rolling that six is pretty th- tough. Yeah, and I think in the meat grinder, there's a stratagem that makes it a better bombardment, too. Probably. There are some that make it like a five and a six. Yeah, or you roll like three dice. Anyways, because I remember I killed one of the... I killed a thud gun mm-hmm. with a preliminary bombardment. I feel like it would probably almost be better to use against an army, like an elite army, because using it against a um, horde army, like a horde army, it's like, well, I can just shoot these guys off the table most likely. Yeah. If I'm spending three CP, that's a lot of CP to take out statistically three models. I can take out three guardsmen. I take out three yeah. cultists. I take if, out three orcs, right? If you're up against like an MSU Marine list where he's got lots of five man tactical squads or yeah. something, then it's it's probably pretty good the then. Yeah. yeah. But three CP is pretty steep for that. Yeah. Especially if you're only rocking like six or seven or something like that. Yeah. Alright. So the first defender stratagem, one CP, the table's turned. Uh, in uh, ambush, the attacker always goes first. Table's turn allows the defender to attempt to seize. Mm-hmm. So only one CP, pretty good, but you still have to roll for it to go off. So yeah, you still need a six. But I like this one because you get the defender has to then re- like they reveal their models, and then you can be like, oh crap. I need to try, I need and, to try and see. The I'm in a, I'm in a, yeah, I'm in a bad yeah. position, right? Yeah. So this is one where you can kind of see how your opponent's deployed and then decide if you're going to spend the yeah. one CP or not. I feel like if it was, instead of on a six, if it was a five up, they get the first turn, and that'd be a little better. Damn, one CP for a one in three chance to seize? That's pretty damn good. Yeah, but they don't have that chance at all. Or, okay, two CP for a five plus. Yeah, okay, I'm fine I, with that. I think that I'm fine with that, good. yeah. Yeah. I guess, what, I guess what I, then? I think, yeah. I think it's a pretty good one. For only one CP for the chance to seize, when you don't get a chance to seize at all. Yeah. It's pretty good. Because that, that first turn, you can take some heavy casualties, especially if you're just out in the That's open true, being yeah. ambushed. Uh, I mean, it is minus one to hit if they're not spending the CP to, to have night vision. Yeah. Which they're only, they're not going to do for their entire No, but army. like you said on the flanks as well, you're only 12 inches away. They can get first turn charges off on you yeah. as well, right? That's um, true. So the second uh, stratagem for the defenders is called Return Fire. It's 2 CP. So you use the stratagem at the end of your opponent's first shooting phase. Select um, a unit in your army that was targeted at least by at least one shooting attack. That unit can make a shooting attack at the enemy as if it were your own shooting phase. I really like this one. Yeah. It is 2 CP. However, um, depending on what shot at you, or what they targeted. Or what they targeted. Yeah. Like, you can mow down a unit. Case in point. Storm Raven murdering cultists. Yeah. So you shot at a Storm Raven because you got your Flamer within range. That's right. I advanced and got the Flamer in range. Yeah. And I you... Think I, I think you took off one wound on it or something like yeah, that. if I was lucky. In turn, I spent two CP and just Hurricane Boltered the shit out of a unit of cultists. Yeah. And just took them all out for two CP... 
to take out that unit that was flanking maybe would have gotten a charge off to turn afterwards and held yeah. up the unit. I wasn't worried about the unit, but for two CP now I'm don't even have to think about the unit. Yeah. Right. Um, plus wanted to use it, wanted to try it out. No, it was, and that's one of the perfect units to do with because the storm Raven has so many guns. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely yeah. for vehicles, uh, units that have like a lot of firepower. Mm-hmm. It's a great CP and it makes your opponent think too, like, what am I will, what point, am I willing yeah. to shoot at that he can then return fire and then have his turn? Oh, that Bane Blade's a juicy target, but if I don't kill it at the end of this phase, he can shoot it back at me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, last one. One CP, Iron Discipline. Uh, essentially, if something goes to ground with a uh, preliminary bombardment, you can roll for each of your units, and on 2+, they stand up and can act normally. Yeah, so if they decide to take the D3 mortal wounds instead of the D6, D6 mortal yeah. wounds, you spend one CP, they stand back up, act as normal. So that kind of even makes the 3 CP bombardment even worse. Yeah. Because it can be pretty substantially countered right there. Mm-hmm. And they don't, your opponent... What are the statistics that you're going to hit 3 units in, in planetary bombardment? Depends, but yeah. For that same amount of CP, they're going to take less mortal wounds... And stand back up. Except it's it's you spend you spend the die and then roll, you spend one CP and that allows you to roll for each unit that went to ground. Oh, is that all it is? Yeah, it's not even per unit that went to ground. Oh yeah, so that's crazy good. Yeah. So, and you know, if you're defending, you get to decide: Am I going to use Iron Discipline? Well, let's see how the bombardment goes. Yeah. Oh, I did. He hit one unit. Yeah. And I didn't even put him to ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I think if the bombardment was only two CP, that would make it better, especially considering disciplines there. I feel like the stratagems for this mission are way better for the defender. However, the defender has a lot harder of a mission to accomplish. Like the fact that the attacker yeah. most likely gets the first turn, right? Almost for sure it does. Yeah. yeah. Um. You have to push forward. The defender kind of just lets you play into their game if they want, mm-hmm. if they play it right. And that is a far trek if you're not, if you don't have a customized army for this mission. Yeah. In- interestingly, all six of these stratagems are have to do with the beginning or very early in the game, yeah. like the first few turns. Which I like because that allows you to then use your own stratagems if you have a codex. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I love stratagems, but sometimes they can get a little overwhelming in that, like, you forget which ones you have. Yeah. Oh, I only use these two, and that's the only two I ever use. Like, no, there's a lot of cool stratagems out there. Add, like, the mission stratagems to that. I'd rather just get them out of the way right away or have one at the end that I can use or something like that. I I think most of of them in the book, I mean, I haven't read every single mission, but I've skimmed through most of the narrative stuff, and I think a lot of it is at the beginning, too. Yeah. So, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, <laughs> and I still just one final thought is, like you said, definitely look through your codex, like you told me to. It's like I don't know about this chaos codex. Maybe you should read the stratagems, Ian. Oh, Jay, I got so many good ideas yeah. for my army. <laughs> yeah, stratagems are huge. And one thing I like about these narrative missions are the stratagems because they allow armies that don't have codexes yet to. Yeah, exactly. They can. Oh, put I put up a good fight. I put I got nine CP, but I don't have a codex yet. Okay, well, screw it. I'm going to bombard the shit out of you. Yeah, I'm going to use all my CP dice. right yeah. now and then exactly use my rerolls. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, we'll be right back.
So now we will do one of my favorite segments, and one that we can't do every episode. We have to let it sit and you have to air it out. Yeah, not what I was going to say, <laughs> but it's going to percolate. You I know? suddenly made this very stinky. Yeah. Anyways, state of the game. Eighth edition is awesome. We'll see you next time. <laughs> no, um, eighth edition is awesome. I think this is hands down my favorite edition since I've started playing. The only I'm maybe third edition might take it, but that's all nostalgia if it does. Yeah, I um, I don't know how much I talked about it on the podcast before eighth came out. I don't remember. Um, I wasn't. I was worried. I oh. was worried because I really. Um, I really enjoyed 7th. I know a lot of people didn't, but I enjoyed the complexity yeah. of it. Um, but now that 8th has come out, I, the complexity has gone down to a degree. There's not complexity in the rules. There's complexity in how you play the game. Yeah, it's... Uh, the way they put it on another podcast, I can't remember now. But, like, it's... It's simple, but it's still complex. Yeah. I, I feel like they took the best parts of Sigmar and, like, took the best from 40K. Like, traditional, maybe not 7th edition specifically. But... Yeah. Uh, someone had described to me that Sigmar is, I line up my troops here, you line up your troops there, and we we just, like, squeeze in. Or I try and do this one thing, and if I don't succeed, you... Get the double turn and win. Yeah, or you get the double turn and win. Um, it's very much like I have my plan, you have your plan. Mm-hmm. Who gets their plan off first? That's the game. Yeah, or we just meet in the center and we go balls to the wall. That's the game. Um, I can't speak too much. I don't really play that much Sigmar at all anymore. I, I've really like I've got my Skaven army, and I, I, you know, I've been playing a lot of like Warhammer Total War two, and I'm like, man, I should really play some Sigmar again. And then I just remember the last few games I played. I'm like, I don't even want to. Yeah. Um, but I feel that it has, like you said, it has like the best parts of Sigmar. I feel like it gets rid of that yeah. part and of Sigmar where it's just like we have two armies and we come together and that's it. To, to be fair, I'm not saying that Sigmar is a bad game. It's just not the game I want to play. Mm-hmm. Like, I really don't like the double turn. Uh, Samurai Mike, for example, who's been on the show before and who's a big advocate of Sigmar, loves it. He's like, you need to think about all the different options. It's just, for me, it's just, it comes down way too much to one die roll, and maybe that's just saying I'm not looking at the bigger picture mm-hmm. when I play. There's just a lot of stuff in there that I don't like. and I Really? Because I, I heard a rumor that it was coming back in, in Chapter Approved, like they were going to add that. What, the double turn? Yeah. To 40k? I'm just joking. <laughs> so hard. Um... I think Sigmar was really poorly rolled out when it started, where 40K was, like, the best rollout possible, mm-hmm. I think, 8th edition, I mean. So, it's very... Well, they had a lot of playtesting going on, so yeah. they knew what they were doing. Um, the thing that I really like about 8th edition is the fact that, like, almost every unit is, like, viable now. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, today I just picked up some Vespid. Yeah. And this is a unit that I never thought I would ever use. Mm-hmm. I was always thought like, oh, Vespid are kind of cool, but yeah. like, there's no point in putting them in my army. I'm just gonna, they're just gonna lose me games. Mm-hmm. Vespid are good now. 
you know, for three power level, I got a unit that can move 14 inches. They have eight strength five minus two AP damage one shots. But that's, you're wounding on threes most likely. Mm-hmm. And you're causing, like, minus two AP is great. Yeah. Right? And they have a four plus save. So they're Tau that can move faster and have a way better gun. You need, like, Fire Warriors, you mean? Fire Warriors, yeah. yeah. Um, That's a good point. But yeah, there's just every codex has units that. I mean, maybe if you're not playing match play, but if you're playing narratively, like there's, there's so al- many units that are good. There's always going to be choices that are more efficient mm-hmm. than others, but every unit has a place. Every unit is viable in some situations. Like I really want to get Dark Elder Mandrakes because mm-hmm. they're like mini sniper units. They oh, can't sweet. pick out characters, but on a six to wound, they cause mortal wounds. Yeah, and yeah. they can deep strike. So. If your opponent leaves a hole in their battle line, you can deep strike Mandrakes in and then mortal wound a character to death. Mm-hmm. And they're minus to hit, and they even involve saves. They're kind of tough, and they're not bad in close combat. Like mm-hmm. they got a lot of attacks and strength four, which for Eldar is is good. You so they're pretty decent. And you played been... Dark Elder for the first time the other day, right? That's right. I uh, had some friends in town from Windsor. And uh, I wanted to introduce them to 40K. And they've the eight, all... Eighth edition. Yeah, the eighth edition. So my one friend, Vio, plays. He owns some models. He hasn't really been in the hobby since fourth edition, just dipping his toes in here and there. And then Daryl and Zach, uh, the only time they've played is when Vio and I have forced them to play. Yeah. And Daryl, like, doesn't want to play because last time he played, he, like, picked up a hive turn and it fell apart. <laughs> And I, <laughs> scared to touch the models. Yeah, he's like, oh, God, I don't want to. I'm so sorry. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Also, I rebuilt my third edition pewter old one-eye. Holy fuck, do I hate that model. <laughs> like, I think it would be best to throw it through a window while you're robbing a bank is probably the best way it use of that model. Big, heavy metal model. Yeah, but now I've pinned it and, like, used a lot. Like, it's actually in probably the best shape it's ever been in. Yeah. Anyway, so we played... Um, Played 50 power level, and I used my Dark Elder for the first time, and I was, we played like a free-for-all game, so mm-hmm. I was between Daryl and, Daryl with my Black Legion, and Zach with my Tyranids, and I kind of got crushed, because I pissed off both of them. <laughs> uh, Dark Elder are pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, they're, but they're, they feel right, like they're very fragile. The fact so. that just like one shot can't blow up your vehicle now. Yeah. Like, I mean, they don't have that many wounds, but yeah. and they have a low toughness, but still, you're not just losing everyone. Yeah. You're not losing all your vehicles in one turn. I, I don't think I'm going to play them until the Codex comes out, because the army, I don't have enough units to build a decent list mm-hmm. out of it. Like, I have a little bit of everything. So, I kind of want to wait for the Codex, uh, for the, yeah, for the Codex to come out. The Archon... I'm not a big fan of right now. Like, he's okay, but he's not great. And that's one of my favorite units. A lot of that stuff changes when a codec comes out. Exactly. The thing that I'm finding with 8th is if you get into the mind... They're doing a really good job of making an army play the way that it should be played. Yeah. Not just, like, I have a really powerful unit and it wipes you off the table. Um, If you get into the mindset of how an army should play in the 40k universe yeah. 
I find you do better with that army. Like, I'm really starting... Okay, I'm kind of speaking on my ass here because I haven't played as Tau yet. But I'm building my lists and thinking and looking mm-hmm. at, like, the the abilities I have and how Tau would fight in a battle. Yeah. And I'm like, I can make this infantry list work because if I'm doing this and I run them this way and I play the way that a Tau army would actually fight on the battlefield, mm-hmm. I feel like that this list will work. Yeah. Right? I mean, is it going to work against a competitive list? No. But is it going to play well on the table against... Is it going to be competitive and at its at its level? Like in... What am I trying to say? At a narrative game level, is it going to be competitive? It's not yes. going to be a pushover. It's yeah. going to put up a good fight. Yeah. And sure, it's not going to go up against, you know, win against 18 assassins and kill them in, but I'm never planning on playing that list. So. <laughs> um, cool. Well... We've been talking, like, they've been releasing a lot of the codexes now. Like, when it first started, it was just indexes. Yeah. I actually don't know the last time we talked about 8th if any of the codexes had come out yet. I don't think so, yeah. Like, I know I hadn't gotten the Grey Knights codex yet, which, you know... Was the third codex that yeah. came out, so... Um, so, the codexes have dropped quite rapidly, like, several months. But the, other than that, there hasn't been a lot of releases... There were a bunch of Primaris releases when they came out, when the Space Marine Codex dropped, I mean. And for Death Guard, they had a bunch of awesome releases. Yeah. But every Codex is seeing new units. Um, I don't know There's always an interpretation of a unit that already exists. For instance, the the Grandmaster and a Dread Knight. It's a unit that already exists that is now another... Like reworking old choices. It's another data sheet. It's a separate yeah. data sheet with the same model. Okay. Which is why when we do our towel campaign, we're going to introduce um, like ethereal bodyguards. Yeah. Or like honor guard, basically. Mm-hmm. Which are just fire warriors, but they're like an elite choice fire warrior who have like slightly better guns, but they have sworn protector for ethereals. Yeah. Like um, commanders. Well, so there are crisis bodyguards <clears throat> which allow you to uh, basically take wounds for the commander. For it was not just a commander; it's for any character. But oh, they're crisis, a, and a commander is a crisis suit. Yeah. Um, and then there are stealth suits, which allow like Shadow Sun can have stealth suits take wounds take for wounds her. for her. Um, however, Ethereals don't have any set uh, bodyguards, any like protectors. I mean, I guess drones can take that as well. Yeah, right? but. But I, I think it's fluffy to have, like, some fire warriors protecting an ethereal. Yeah. Um, kind of like elite fire warriors. So we made a data sheet for that that we're going to try out and see how that yeah. works out. Huh. Yeah, I just looked up that crisis bodyguards. I didn't believe you. It is any character. It's why I have a list where it's, like, Shadow Sun with a commander with bodyguards yeah. and stealth suits. And it's, like, a blob. And it's, like, you're not taking out the commander or... Yeah, or Shadow Sun because they just have so many wounds around them that they're sucking up. Yeah, right. And I really like. I did. We were talking about this, and then I'm like, I'm totally making this data sheet right now. Yeah, and I really enjoy doing that. So I want to do more of those. That's yeah, a cool little program that you have that can make those data sheets. Microsoft Publisher is that all it is? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like an app or something. You, like that. You've got to get your guys because you have a unit. Wait, have you made those fire warriors, or is it just like a concept? No, it's a concept that I've found online. Oh, okay. That you take a unit of fire warriors, and then you take the, was it like the Talberts from... Like a lion cloth. 
loin yeah, the loincloths from the Dire Avenger kit. Oh, okay, yeah. And you use them on the fireworks. I actually saw it in a, um, was it Warmer Visions? Is that what the magazine was yeah, at the time? Yeah, the old magazine. Yeah, that someone had put in there. And they just look beautiful with like these white loincloths hanging off of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they look more regal. Yeah, yeah. Which is probably what they should look like if they're protecting an ethereal. Yeah. Um, it just, a Dire Avenger kit is like 40 or 50 bucks. You can probably just get the tabards off, like, eBay, though. Maybe. I mean, why wouldn't you put them on your Dire Avengers if you're buying the kit? No, but people will buy the kits and then bit sellers. Sell the bits, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm, like I got uh, and I don't have to use the Dire Avenger ones. There are other ones that I can yeah. pick up, probably. But I need to figure out how to do that, because that's what I want to do to make them. But you should get those so we can photograph, paint them up and photograph them and add them to the data sheet. Fine. <laughs> no, I do, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because that's something I'd like to do is release data sheets for, like... Well, we want to create as much, like, narrative, fluffy content yeah. as we can. And I think, it, I mean, with the power level, it's it doesn't need to be... As long as it's close, it's Well, it's perfect. always something that we can rework as well, right? Yeah, true. So, what are you excited to see? Chapter approved. Chapter approved, yeah. Yeah. We've already seen some of the stuff that they're going to bring out. Yeah, I'm really excited for Apocalypse. And custom is that coming rules. out in I chapter so. approved? Oh, maybe I got that wrong. Custom vehicle rules yeah. are coming out in chapter approved, which I'm kind of on the fence about. I mean, I remember the custom vehicle rules in third edition, mm-hmm. and it was so broken. It was so broken. But it's just for narrative play, right? So Yeah, I mean, anything can be broken in narrative play, I suppose. But, but you're going into the mindset with, like, I'm not here to break the game. I'm yeah. here to have a good tell story. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, if you're going in with that mindset, you can build really cool vehicles. Yeah. I really, the one thing about the Grey Knights is that um, the vehicles don't have the psychic pilot ability anymore. Yeah. I really miss the, having that Storm Raven being able to cast, like, a psychic ability. Yeah. It'd be I cool mean, to have a vehicle or something like that. I'd imagine, though, a pi- like a, the guy flying the Storm Raven is too focused on flying to cast powers. That's true. That's true. Uh, I had an idea for a really good vehicle that I wanted to build, and I can't think of it now. <laughs> but, there, I mean, those rules were awesome. Yeah, well... Back in third ed. The ideas are endless, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's, oh you know where it was? It was a custom Chaos Land Raider, because they don't have the variants like the Imperial ones do. Yeah. So, eventually I want to get Mauler Fiends, and that's a dual kit with the uh, Forge Fiend. Mm-hmm. So I'd have all these leftover plasma cannons and, like, wrote the miniguns, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. So imagine a Chaos Land Raider. Instead of heavy bolters, it's twin whatever the miniguns are called. Mm-hmm. And then, for side sponsons, twin plasma cannons, or ectoplasma cannons. Or what about those, um, I don't know which fiend it is, but it has like a tentacle like close combat weapon, kind of? Yeah, that's the smaller fiend with the lasher tendrils. Yeah, imagine having that on a Land Raider. That'd be cool. Like a, land, like a close combat Land Raider that's coming in towards you, just like Bum rushing oh you, God. unloading guys, and then like hitting you with these tentacles. And chaos would totally do that, right? Too. <laughs> you could get um from the uh, blight drone kit, the lo- the flesh mower thing. Yeah, you get one of those on each track, and mm-hmm. it just like grinds over units. That'd be so sick. Just this close combat v- land yeah. raider that's coming at you. Yeah, yeah. like no range weapons at all, just all close combat. Yeah. Just this heavy tank coming towards you. Yeah, and it just unloads terminators with lightning claws first, and so that's happening. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I'm just looking forward to seeing like all these codexes come out, man. Yeah, like every codex that I see, every we were talking about this before. The Warhammer community, 
they do such a good job of getting you excited like yeah. for the codexes. Like every preview that comes out, I'm like, oh, I need to make an Elder Army. I made like a list for like an all ghost or an all wraith yep. Elder Army. I made like an all flyer Tyranid Army. Like every army that comes out, man, I want that army now because the codexes do such a great job of like like bringing the fluff out in the Bring army. The character out, and yeah. isn't that in the long like how many people play 40k just because they love the game mechanics? Like you hear so many people that play 40k they're like, yeah, other games have better gaming systems. Right? Uh, yeah, I think like, the game itself is great. But so like we deep down inside like you play 40k because you love like well, the storyline behind 40k. You the, love the fluff behind 40k. I think right now the game in terms of rules balance and the tightness of the rules is in a really good place. But people stuck with this game through the dark days of 7th Ed mm-hmm. because they loved the story because of the communities that we built in this game. And we we now have a huge influx of new and returning players now that 8th has come out. But the people who've stuck and not not to say like oh those you know, all those old beardy guys who stuck with it. It's like, no, that's, they're not up on a pedestal. But the reason those people stuck with it is because of the story and because mm-hmm. of the miniatures. And that's the heart and the soul of the game. And it's great that we have fantastic rules to go with that. But most people are playing because they see their army on the table and they've put so much sweat and blood into that army. Mm-hmm. Like literally, like I, I cut my hand yesterday <laughs> building hobby rookie hobby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's it's the soul of the game. We talk about how every model is almost every model is like good on the table now. Yeah, and I remember when the I'm gonna butcher this. I'm so sorry. Like the Siam Ham or whatever it is, like Saint Ham. That's or it. Something, yeah, something the, like that. The Jet Bike Army when their rules came out. I remember you salted like, ham army. Yeah, you were like the salted ham, salted <laughs> ham. You were like, you rolled your eyes. You were kind of like, oh god, jetpack's gonna be amazing again. And I was spat like, on the floor, but yeah, well, I don't know. I don't think they're that amazing, but they're good. They're doing a really good job of catering to everyone. They're catering yeah. to oh, I, you had all these jet bikes. Don't worry, they're still playable. They're That's still true. good. But you had all these other models that weren't good before. Mm-hmm. They're good now too. Yeah, um, I remember hearing a stat that the majority of Games Workshop players, so like Warhammer 40,000 players, Mm -hmm. or I guess just any Warhammer in general, are collectors. They're not actual players. They collect and they paint more than they play. And at first I was like, that's strange. I don't consider myself a collector. I consider myself a player. Mm -hmm. I just went out and bought Vespid today. I never thought I would ever buy Vespid. And I bought that. I'm a collector. And the reason why I wanted Vespid, because I was like, looked at the rules, I was like, oh, those are passable now. Yeah. yeah. I, I do. I want Vespid for my collection. I want to have one of everything. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's eventually where I will go with all of my armies, is I do want one of everything, because everything is playable now. Yeah. Whereas before, there were units that you wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Right? That's what I'm excited to see, is just that go through with every army. Um, it'll be out by the time this is released, but the Tyranid Codex just looks so amazing with the Hive Fleets. Thank God they yeah. brought out things like Hive Fleets, like differentiate 
the the playing styles of armies, right? Yeah. You want to play all infantry? That's awesome. You can play all infantry. You want to play tank heavy? Cool. There's this army that you can play tank heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's this quote unquote chapter or regiment or yeah or high fleet, right? Yeah, high fleet or craft world or cabal. They're or... doing a great job of uh, bringing out a codex that feels like six codexes. Mm. You know, it, it's like. The old school, harkening back to third ed, where you'd have your main codex and then your supplemental codex. Yeah, but it's I get like all that, of that in the same book. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting a, a 20 page assassins codex. Six pages. <laughs> uh, it was only six dollars. Yeah. Oh, was it, it really? Yeah, it was really cheap. <laughs> I still have that. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you, instead of in one book, you're now getting like your main codex and your two or three supplements that go with it in one volume and all the rules and all the flavor is right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I don't know if I said this in the last episode cause it was months ago, but essentially now the black Legion are my eighth ed army. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm focusing on. That's Sweet. what I want to build up. Awesome. And I really like that because the black Legion are like the quintessential villains. Of yeah, the they are definitely. And for doing campaigns and stuff, it used to be like, okay, well, I'm going to run my Storm Guard because they're my big collecting collection, and, but they're the good guys. And, yeah, they're kind of jackasses, and they kind of can be the bad guys sometimes. But now that I have the Black Legion, it's like, okay, if I'm running an event or narrative, a narrative adventure campaign, I can jump on either side and just wherever we need the whole field. You could even run them as renegades. Shut your mouth. <laughs> But yeah, so anyway, the, you said it earlier this I, episode. It's 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 a complicated <laughs> issue, all right? Yeah, they're kind of renegade-ish. Okay. I'm going to finish off this segment by asking you a question and then you can ask me afterwards. Okay. Your one like wish for the next like 6 months of Aethed. Um, wow. I want to see you know what I want to see is oh I got you <laughs> I, I'm really excited for chapter approved yeah I want to see they, they've got the core of the gameplay they've got like the 12 pages of rules that does everything and then you flip to the back of the book and they have war zones they have narrative missions they have there's like four mini supplements in the rule book for mm-hmm. like Planet Strike, Death from the Death in the Skies, or Death from the Skies, and City Fight, and all that stuff is in there. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. Instead mm-hmm. of just, all right, here's two pages of Cities of Death. I want to see a Cities of Death supplement mm-hmm. or a a planetary onslaught supplement where you're combining yeah, lots of missions. Yeah, something like that. And I'm really excited to see what they do with that. And I was thinking the other day too. You need. If you need um, inspiration or you're, you're looking for new narrative missions, go check out the Kronos campaign. They released five or six narrative yeah. missions with unique stratagems mm-hmm. and stuff. That that sort of – what they do, they, they have the foundation and now what they're going to build on top of it is mm-hmm. what I'm really excited to see. All right, what about you? What are you thinking in the next six months? What do you want to see? Okay, well, anyone that – listens to the podcast knows that my 
bread and butter when I first came in back into the game was Tau. Right. We haven't seen the Codex yet, but we will eventually, hopefully soon. No, never coming out. Never coming out. They're getting squatted, <laughs> eaten by the nids. Uh, if you follow the storyline of what's happened to them, they failed in the in their advance in their last expansion, the fourth expansion. Yeah. So now they're starting their fifth expansion. Yeah. Right. So they kind of hit this like, especially with not getting a codex, they kind of went on this bit of a lull over the mm-hmm. last few months. And the last codex was well, it was good. You know, we had the introduction the introduction of like the ghost keel. Yeah. And the um Storm Surge. And the Storm yeah. Surge and the Tidewall. It was all very like Tau stuff. Mm-hmm. However, one thing we didn't get was a new race. Yeah. I would like to see a new race added to the Tau yeah. Empire because that is part of Tau. Like, especially if you want to talk about including like like other models that you didn't use before. You never saw a lot of croup before. You never saw a lot of Vespin before. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the idea that the Tau Empire isn't just the blue Tau, like they're 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 building an army. Yeah, they're getting more people under there, and there are a lot of like there's been talk, and there are other uh, species, other aliens that are part of the Tau Empire, but a lot of them are like traitors, or they're not uh they're not fighters. Yeah, it's not the military. Army. Yeah, or maybe yeah. they're only like a space fleet army or something like that. Let's introduce another. Uh, and the thing is, you don't have to come up with a whole range. You come up with one unit. Mm-hmm. You come up with five models. That's all Vespid are, five models. Even, so, Grey Knight's Codex comes out. Mm-hmm. New data sheet. Grandmaster in a stu- suit. Yeah. Okay, well, let's have some Traitor Guard. Yeah. Kit Bash, Cadians, give them some Tau weapons. Actually put it in the Codex now. Let's, I mean, it was a Forgeable unit before, but yeah. Yeah, let's get some, you pick up some Venomthropes and some Orcs, and here's how you kitbash this weird tentacle race. Mm-hmm. Well, you even see in the new Imperial Guard Codex, mm-hmm. they have, like, hey, look, yeah, this is different. how you kitbash different types of regiments, regiments and yeah. stuff like that, right? Do that with maybe a... With some Tau races. Yeah. They've got multiple lines, like, you can get some Sigmar stuff, like um, Ratman... Militia yeah. for mm-hmm. Tau. Well, even, yeah, even using the, yeah, the rat men or something like, like Skaven that cool, with yeah. las guns or mm-hmm. Skaven with pulse rifles. Yeah. It's just off the top of my head. I well, don't there's know so many options cool. that you could do, right? Yeah. It's just make a data sheet that works yeah. and add another race in there. Like if, if people have to kit bash, they have to kit bash yeah. it. Like eventually I'm going to add more occultists or trade guardsmen in my Black Legion. I'm going to use like beast men mm-hmm. and mix them in with the humans as mutants. Mm-hmm. Right on, man. Well, this has been state of the game. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll be right back with some Beyond the Rift. All right, dude. Let's go uh, beyond the rim. Yes, it's a classic staple of Wrong Side of the Maelstrom. Yeah, it's sticking around. So uh, I may have joined you in the Overwatching, <laughs> which is funny because I have. Well, I just don't have a lot of time to play video games anymore. Yeah, but uh, like I don't even know if I participated in any of like the Halloween stuff. Like I think I played a few Halloween games. Oh, I, I I I didn't. I've kind of dropped off a little bit, but mm-hmm. I was playing it at the when I first got it. It's pretty it? addictive. Yeah, it was on sale too, so I got like twenty bucks off or something. Mm-hmm. So that was a nice deal. I remember I came over to your place and I was like, "Well, you know what? Like, I've never played Overwatch on the computer." Yeah, and I tried playing it, and I just got my ass whooped. Just like I couldn't like figure out how to use like the mouse properly, yeah. and like I can see why it's like why it's better, and it definitely mm-hmm. is like when I could finally like 
like get a lock on someone, yeah, you're just nailing those headshots like crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I feel like, and I feel like the people that I was playing with, if I had my controller, I feel like I would have done Correct. really well yeah. against them. But I just couldn't even. And I figured I was like, well, I'm not gonna be that good on the computer the first time. So I'll play Mercy. I know how to play Mercy. And I just couldn't even fucking figure out where I was running. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird if you're not used to it, like figuring out which, like, shift and E or whatever. Yeah, I'm very used to having all of the buttons on, like, my one, like, controller. All my my hand is right there, and all the buttons are right next to me. And I use an Elite controller, too. Yeah. So, like, all the buttons, like, I'm not moving my hand too much. Whereas, like okay, my hand is over here and I, oh, now I got to move these away from where I'm moving to touch these buttons. And I feel like one of those mouses that has like the hotkeys on it would really help in that game. Yeah, probably. So yeah, I was playing a lot of that. Then I got, basically I stopped doing that because I got Warhammer Total War 2, which is awesome. Yeah, it's a game I still have to play because you've told me about it. I was like, oh, so that's like an RTS, right? You're like, no, it's like playing Warhammer. It's like, it's like an RTS for half of the game. Because you, you go in... So I I, usually, I don't play a lot of custom battles. I play campaigns. Mm-hmm. So it's like Civilization, where you're building up an empire and establishing like trade and advancing your technology tree. And then when your army meets another army, I usually just auto-resolve it. Mm-hmm. But if it's a battle that's too close to call, then I go in and then brings you to the battle, it zooms into the battlefield, and you deploy your army, and oh, right on. you go forward and mm-hmm. kill things. I joked to Elton, our friend who's been on the show a few times, that I feel like the campaign mode, I'm doing everything I can to not play a battle. <laughs> I'm just trying to gang up on other banners, so it just auto-resolves in my favor. Yeah. And then when I actually have to fight a battle, it's because I've been ambushed or something. Mm-hmm. So, but that game's a lot of fun, especially the first one was good, but it was, I felt like it was the more boring races like dwarves mm-hmm. and men oh, and vampires so much hate right now. and orcs. <laughs> no, I, I mean, they're, they're very classic fantasy tropes, but then this one, it's like, okay, Skaven, like there's no other Skaven, like it's very uncommon in fantasy IPs, yeah. uh, like Ratman, like they come up occasionally, but it's. Like if you ever look for third-party Skaven models, they're really hard to find. Mm-hmm. Lizardmen, same thing. And then High Elves and Dark Elves, like obviously a little more popular. but And, yeah, Skaven, it's just they all feel like they should, and they all play awesome. So, yeah, really loving that game. I haven't done the Lizardmen campaign yet. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I want to try it out. I want to see what it looks like. Um, yeah. I played... Um, I haven't been playing too much other stuff. Like my free time, I tend to play just 40k. Yeah. Or hobby for 40k. Mm-hmm. However, the other day I did play this indie game called Oxenfree. Oh yeah, you were telling me. Which going into, I remember seeing it for free on the marketplace for Xbox, mm-hmm. and this is the perfect example of why you don't judge something by its cover. Mm-hmm. Because I looked at the cover, I was like, oh, those graphics look kind of garbage. I'm not yeah. going to play that, right? And then I played, and then my buddy had downloaded it. So we sat around and played it. And it's only a single-player game, but the story is just so interesting. Okay. It's one of those games where it's a lot more based off of dialogue. Yeah. And, like, something will be said, and you have, like, three options. You know, mm-hmm. A, Y, or whatever, right? Yeah. What you Or do you say nothing? Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to the end of it. It's only, like, four hours, but I had to go. 
but apparently at the end it tells you what percentile you came in versus like how every everyone else right. played the game. Yeah. But what caught me was that the, I didn't realize this. The game is like it's kind of creepy. It mm-hmm. really deals with like paranormal and time travel. And like there are times where I'm like, oh my god, something's gonna happen. Something's gonna this is getting a little scary. This is getting a little scary. Like yeah. I think you would really enjoy it. Nice. Um, I'll check it out. Yeah, if you can find, I, I would think it's on computer too because it's not Probably. like it's a. Most of these indie games are multi-platform. Yeah, but uh, especially for like, I would be willing to spend ten bucks on that game. Mm-hmm. Even though it's yeah. like four hours, it has multiple playthroughs because I'm sure there are different things you can do. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. choose to go in different paths. Uh, first or second or whatever, mm-hmm. right? I think in the end, it probably all ends up coming to the same kind of ending. Right. Whether certain people are alive or dead, I don't know where yeah. I didn't get to the ending, but it was a really good experience playing it. Nice. I was just completely enthralled the whole time. Nice. Um, so when my buddies came down or up from Windsor, uh, it was the first time I've seen them since my birthday, and my buddy, one buddy had had his birthday, so we did a bit of gift exchange. Gift exchange. So I got um, an expansion for Mansions of Madness, which we which played We, we played, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, for anyone who doesn't know, it's from Fantasy Flight, and it's the second edition of the game, and it's a cooperative app-based game. So you're moving your investigator around, and it's in the Cthulhu mythos or IP. And... You're essentially like solving a mystery and gathering clues. Mm-hmm. Like you load up the app and it tells you how to lay down the tiles in front of you. Yeah. And it tells you where the enemies are going to come in. It shows you in the app what's accessible for you to touch and interact yeah. with on the tiles that you've laid down. Mm-hmm. Which I found really awesome. However, it's missing one thing. And that's um, like dialogue. Like like a voiceover. That would help a lot. Like yeah. narration. Um because there was a lot of us sitting around having fun. We're enjoying playing this game. And it's like, okay, oh, I want to go up to that painting. And you touch the painting. Okay, now everyone lean into this iPad and try and figure out what it was saying. Yeah, and everyone has to read it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's, a voiceover would be really helpful. Yeah, definitely. Um, we played a couple rounds of that while they were down. One of the missions, I don't remember the names, but there's one that was like, four to six hours. Oh, wow. So we had to save it and play it the next day. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot. And we played two, two or three matches, and we won everything. That's, the last one was very close. I don't know if we technically won, because most of us were gone insane by then. <laughs> but it's a really fun game. Yeah. Uh, the other game that I got is uh, Hand of the King. What's that? So that's a card game, also from FFG, mm-hmm. that's... Uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's two to four well, players. King, obviously, yeah. Yeah. It's two to four players, and every card is like a character from the books. Mm-hmm. And you shuffle the deck of characters and then lay them out on the board. So you have like this big cube of players, and then you move the Varus card around collecting <laughs> different houses. It's really silly. Yeah. Like the art is like all cartoony and stuff. And okay. You have, like, special characters you can do who are not part of any house, but they can go and, like, rescue a character or kill a character. And the idea is you try, whoever, whenever you have the most characters of a house, you get their banner. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, whoever's the most banners wins. So you're trying to, like, steal banners from other players. Okay, right on. Yeah. 
and it's deceptively simple. Does it play fast? Yeah, you can get it. You knock out a game in like thirty minutes. Sweet. Yeah, um, it's a good, like, straightforward kind of party game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only up to four players, but it's really easy to learn. Right on. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, you were also saying that you got Blood Bowl. Yeah, I got Blood Bowl on the computer because Noah had a code to get like fifty percent off or something. Mm-hmm. So I got that. Really fun. Just made me want to play the tabletop game, though. Yeah. But I haven't really dived into it much. I played, like, a few games. And yeah. That was it. Uh, you were saying how you, like, like, it still incorporates, like, rolling dice? Yeah, it's the same. It's almost identical rule set to the tabletop mm-hmm. game. There's a few differences, which in certain abilities work differently. No one was telling me, but I, they kind of went over my head. Yeah. And, like, I was... We were talking about this. I'm not a big fan of... I'm using air quotes here. Like... Mm-hmm. like random dice generation yeah like in a computer game because i just don't trust it i'm sorry i don't i feel like there are times when you're going to put like it just feels like you always put the odds against me when it comes to dice rolls where it's not actually randomly generated like when i roll a real die well statistically going for it you only fail on a one mm-hmm. like each you move an extra space and you have to roll die and on one your guy trips yeah it happened almost every single time yeah. I went for it, and I was like, this is bullshit. Yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah, it's another game I want to play as well. I really got a computer. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that you've been up to? Uh, not right now. Uh, I want to start getting into more board games. Yeah. I feel like that's something that I can... Yeah, me too. I want to... Actually, I have another... I got a third board game called Space Alert for my birthday, but right. I haven't played it yet. See? It looks fun, though. So, open that up, crack that open. Yeah, I've looked through it a little bit, but I, it um, apparently it plays kind of like um, the computer game. I'm forgetting the name of it. Shoot, I love that game too. Uh, it plays kind of like Galaxy Trucker, which okay. is another board game, and Faster Than the Light FTL. Yeah. So it kind of plays like the two of those. Sweet. So I'll have to try that out. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. All right, I think that's uh, just about a wrap. Thanks for listening to The Wrong Side of the Maelstrom, and thanks for tuning in once again after our long hiatus. It's good to get back, man. Yeah. It felt good to like sit down and just for a few hours. Yeah. I don't know how long this ends up being. It all just goes by so fast when we're talking. But hour and a half, two hours is right. Yeah, yeah but I don't know. it 20. feels good to just sit down and, and chat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Uh, what we want to do is kind of expand, ex- yeah, expand the closing segment so it's not just us going over the same old stuff and you're just going to kill the podcast before it's finally over. So what we want to do here is kind of talk about what we're going to do in the next month. Mm-hmm. Not really, just in general, gaming-wise, if there's something we're focusing on painting or if there's a game we really want to do. And I think for us, we really want to, do planet strike and get that lightning war campaign kicked off yeah i really want to start that campaign um with that said kind of a precursor to that i'm finishing off a strike squad right now mm-hmm. um then need to hopefully have semi done for tomorrow yeah um but i want to finish that strike squad off and then kind of put the gray knights i, I primed a lot of gray knights okay. over the last few weeks mm-hmm. um but that's okay they're all prime silver 
Yeah. That's good. I can now, if I put them on the table, they kind of blend in together. Yeah. I kind of want to get back into Tau a little bit, right, especially right. if we're going into Planet Strike in the next few games I'm going to be playing mm-hmm. our Tau. I want to start pulling some of those units out, start working on some of that. Keep the cogs moving, yeah. right, on the painting front. Yeah. I really need to get Black Legion moving on my Tau. Um, my, yeah, my cultist done. And I got 20 Chaos Space Marines I need to paint now. Sweet. But in terms of gaming definitely plant strike coming up and tomorrow is the inaugural ian clough invitational yeah so which th- was a total joke which is now a real thing yeah so this is a great story because i mean we always joke that you've never been the biggest like competitive player yeah you've never like even when you do play competitive games the list that you would bring you would look at them and go ian that's not that competitive right it's like, yeah but this is what i want to play right so we're like well why don't you host a tournament where it's just like it's whatever the rules you want them to be, right? I mean, you host tournaments regularly anyways. I'd say events. I wouldn't say events. Not yeah, it's like events. gaming days. Yeah, where you have come games. over and we play two or three games or, mm-hmm. yeah, play an APOC game or whatever. And it's like, why don't you host an event where it's the Ian Clough Invitational and you decide what the prizes are, you decide what the missions and what the rules are for it and everything like that, and you have to be invited to it because we're not having no janky ass bullshit. Yeah, or... exactly. Um, which is, there's a place for that. That's the game, but mm-hmm. this is the Ian Clough invitational. And yeah, it's just sort of like, I, I don't know. It's a good reason to have events at my place. I'm yeah. very lucky that I live in a large apartment so I can set up multiple tables at once. Mm-hmm. And... and I think everyone is like looking forward to it because it's only 50 power level this time. Yeah. So it's like small games and it's encouraged that you make like a fluffy list. Yeah. So you're kind of not really worried about like, like nobody knows what the missions are going to be. You're the only person that knows what the mission is. And like, it's been said there will be prizes, but nobody knows what the prizes are going to be. I, I told people, I mean, this is coming out after the event Yeah. and you've seen them now, but uh, I've told people I'm making trophies. Nobody's seen them except Mike and Noah, who aren't coming, because yeah. so they help me make them. But I have currently 12 trophies <laughs> for everything from dead last to best dressed. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no prize for first place. Everyone's getting a prize. Yeah, there's yeah. no prize for first place. That's what I love about it. Yeah, the the <laughs> the like like the trophy cup is dead last. Yeah. Which, when Noah saw that, he's like, oh, that's cute. You made a trophy for yourself. Well, exactly. It's the Ian Clough Invitational. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, no, I think everyone's really looking forward to it. Yeah. And on the next episode, we'll obviously be able to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. So I'm really excited for it. And and that's why I wouldn't need to get my Grey Knight, the Strike Squad, hopefully finished. Because yeah. we have a house rule where if your whole army is fully painted, painted and based... And, yeah. You get an extra two CP. Yep, is that what right. it is? And that's an Which is a great model. encouragement because, yeah. like, okay, two CP is not going to make or break the game, but it definitely gives you an advantage if your opponent doesn't mm-hmm. have stuff painted and based, yeah, right? Absolutely, it encourages you to finish stuff or to just field stuff that, even though your list might not be optimized, well, maybe having those two CP, especially in a narrative uh, scenario where yeah. you can use multiple stratagems in the same turn. Yeah, yeah, those two CP will help. Yeah. 2 CP allows me to make my Storm Bolters uh, strength 5 minus 1 AP. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll get one of those for free in a turn just because all my stuff yeah. is painted and based, right? 
I'm really excited because I want to tell you the mission, but I can't. No, no I don't want to know. I, I know. <laughs> I didn't even. I was. I'm kind of sorry. I had the trophies out, but I was still working on them when you got here. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, there's something I was gonna say. Oh, so what really cemented that I had to do the ICI was when I was texting you after we after the joke had been made and at Noah and yours going away thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, fuck the ICI. I got this great idea for an APOC game instead. And you sent back all caps, multiple explanation marks. How dare you take the Evening Club Invitational in vain? <laughs> I'm like, oh, look, this, this has to happen. Yeah, now, has otherwise, to happen, Jason yeah. might kill me. <laughs> it's still possible. Yeah. We'll see next month. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, this is the inaugural. We'll see how it goes. And definitely going to... It won't always be the same format. Like, I think the next one's going to be an Apocalypse game. Sweet. So, and Mike had the brilliant idea that we need to get a wrestling belt. I, I feel like that. that's a must, especially with our, like, gaming community. Like, imagine someone coming into the store wearing the belt. Just every time they come to the store, they bring the belt with them. I, I'm telling you, it's an entourage. So the champ walks in the door. Someone behind them is holding the belt. Someone <laughs> else is carrying their army. Yeah. I like it. It's too much. All right, so we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash wrong side of the maelstrom. Mm-hmm. We have an email address, wrong side of the maelstrom at gmail.com. And we're on SoundCloud and iTunes, so check us out there. Give us some reviews and five stars. and We like reviews. Yes, and 10 out of 10 or whatever. And works. as always, if, uh, if you ever want to get a game with us, let us know on Facebook. We usually respond within a few hours. Yeah. We're pretty responsive that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, give us your questions. Any rules lawyering, any questions, any topics you want us to cover, anything like yeah. that as always. Yeah. And if you have an event coming up, we're – I don't want to promise when we're releasing the episode because it seems every time we do, we go – Way over that. Yeah. We're going to try to make it once a month. Yeah. Once a month is our thing. So if you have an event coming up that is roughly within the time frame, let us know and we will plug it on the show. Happy yep. to do that. Of course. So I've been Ian. And I'm Jason. And we'll see you on the wrong side of the maelstrom.